We're recording this at 7 p.m. on February 4th, 2019, so everything we've said is probably already wrong by the time you hear it. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show where credibility is as plentiful as points at the Super Bowl. I'm Stuart Jones, and with me is Darren Plett. Hello. That was a great opening remark, by the way. I didn't know you had that plan. That's fantastic. Thanks. So, Darren, to get us started, how well do you think we did with our scorecard last time, with our prediction? Pretty well, I think. I don't even remember what uh, what I predicted. I thought I think I did really well for the Flames and really poorly for the Oilers. Well, that doesn't seem too far off. Let me uh, catch us up here. So, for the Flames, uh, you had said they'd win three out of their five, and I had said they would win four out of their five. Mm-hmm. They actually went 4-0-1. Oh, it's the 4-1. Yeah. Points to stew. Yeah, my confidence in your team did me well, I suppose. Mm -hmm. They're also 1-1 in February so far. We'll come back to that in more detail, I'm sure. The Oilers, on the other hand, we both said that they would win three out of their six. They'd get 500 out of it. But uh, as sort of a tiebreaker, uh, I had said that they'd get one OT loss out of that, and you said two. Yeah. That didn't matter because they didn't even win three. <laughs> they went two, four, and oh. Didn't even get any overtime losses in that six. So far in February, they've gone oh, oh, and two. So let's face it, that's the same number of points the Flames have got this month. It's true. They're on a streak, you might say. <laughs> yep. Anyway, also for the Battle of Alberta game that oh, took yeah. place on January. 19th the uh you said that the flames would win by three or more i agreed that the flames would win but i said it would be closer than that the flames did win five to two so you were bang on there yes i did i did use the phrase blowout and you could contend that three goals is not a blowout and I'd be okay with that, but that's why I specified exactly three goals or more, so that I could look like a genius when that happened. Yeah, and I believe that was my fault, because even though you just said blowout, I said it would be close, so less than three goals. So, yeah. so that's my doing, my own specificities. Actually, watching the game, I don't think it was that much of a blowout. I'll take that hit, but I did predict three goals or more, so I will absolutely take that. Yep. Yep, you win. Well, so to uh, go into a bit more in-depth review for the past month or so of the Flames play, do you want to kind of let us know what happened? Well, there wasn't a lot of hockey over the last month considering we had the All-Star game and the CBA-mandated break, which combines into roughly four months without hockey or something like that. Something like that. That's what it felt like. But we got back to it a few nights ago. Unfortunately for the Flames a few nights ago, I'm going to start after the All-Star break because I don't really remember what happened before the All-Star break. Well, yeah, four months ago. That's a long time. Yeah, unfortunately, the Flames actually started dealing with a couple of injuries. Nothing crazy, but Travis Hamannick got injured their first game back from the All-Star break. I haven't really heard too many updates because I don't think the team knows exactly how bad it is. On the way over here to record, I actually heard on the radio, they said that they think the Flames dodged a major bullet with Hamannick's injury, meaning it's probably not too serious. He might be out for a bit. It hasn't really been said yet. Fortunately, the Flames are pretty deep. For example, last night with Hamannick out, their bottom pairing was Oliver Shillington and Dalton Prout. And I, watching it, I thought they did pretty good, but obviously you can't lean on guys like that for the rest of the season so i think they're probably going to look into trading for a a depth d guy so that they don't have to force so many young guys into their lineup and 
be in a panic if somebody like Hamnick goes down. On the positive side, lately for the Flames, their depth scoring has been really good. I watched the entire Carolina game, and it was kind of hilarious to watch because of that big trade with the Canes that happened with Zebulon and Hannafin coming over, and then the Flames signing ex-Hurricane Derek Ryan. Those are the guys that scored for the Flames against Carolina. It was uh, Zebulon, Ryan, and Hannafin. Reading the Hurricanes fans' reactions to that was... <laughs> absolutely priceless they were part just sad and part infuriated it was i loved reading that the depth scoring especially with Derek ryan has really been stepping up the fourth line hathaway ryan and manjapani have really put together a couple solid games after the all-star break and before the all-star break they were also starting to chip in quite a bit more ryan heating up is good because a he kind of gets off the whipping boy list at least in the sense that people think a fourth line center is there to score lots of points for some reason he's not he's an excellent defensive player but now he's chipping in enough that people are like, oh, we'll find some other whipping boy like James Neal probably, who did also get an assist last night, so good for him. It's, it's good news for the Flames because, yeah, their top line's amazing, but on nights like last night in Carolina when they don't necessarily put out much, I mean, Zebulon had a goal in the power play. But that's one goal. It's not going to win you a game. And the rest of the team stepped up and filled in the void just fine. So I think that's really promising. It's something that needed to happen. And speaking of that game, did you see Zebulon's uh, mockery of Carolina's celebration? Yes, I did. You had told me about it, and then I saw something on it later. Yeah. Yeah, so the Carolina Hurricanes, after they win, do something called a skull clap, which if you watched Iceland at the soccer world, who cares? It's soccer. Uh, they do this thing where they have their hands above their heads and they clap slowly. It's really cool when an entire stadium does it. And to thank their fans, the Hurricanes do that. And honestly, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's pretty cool. Other than they're ripping off Iceland. But I don't, you know, it's just a fun thing for them to do. But anyways, apparently Zebulon got booed a lot last night during the game. Fans thought that him wanting more money and then getting traded to Calgary was something to boo him over. So they booed him for most of the game. And then after the game, to mock them, he did the skull clap pretty <laughs> much for 30 seconds straight while he's skating off the ice. He had this huge smile on his face because he knew exactly what he was doing. Just grinning at fans and clapping and rubbing it in as much as he could. And I was reading some of the feedback on that and he is not going to be a well-loved player there very much longer. I think whatever goodwill he had there is completely gone after that. I, I think it's in good fun and it's funny. Of course, I'm on the flame side, but... yeah. Personally, I think that's absolutely hilarious, and I love to see a little personality out of this team. That's good stuff. Yeah, that's quite hilarious. I think we uh, use the Zebulon wearing the sunglasses meme a little too early because I feel like he's earned it all the more for, the, oh, yeah. for that he, action. He just keeps escalating. <laughs> the only other thing I have to bring up is that the Flames are six points clear of the Sharks who are in second place for the division. So honestly, I would kind of play Smith quite a bit. You know, not more than Riddick, but I'd give Riddick a lot of rest days play Smith quite a bit. I'd like them to stay in first in the division and get a home playoff berth and everything and get a you get a banner for that? I feel like you get a banner for that. I think you just get a banner whenever you make your own banners. Yeah. Get a banner up there saying, hey, we did good, and kind of cruise into the playoffs. They put themselves in a really good spot 
So I'm happy to see them kind of cruise out, preserve their players for the playoffs, and make some noise then. Yeah, it shouldn't be too difficult with the position they've put themselves in, like you said. Do you think that, like, aside from shoring up some D to make up for these injuries, do you think they were planning on making any moves coming up on trade deadline, or are they in a pretty good place? If it were me, I wouldn't mess with it, besides the defense. Just something for injury's sake, but... Mm -hmm. For forwards, I personally wouldn't do anything because I don't want to give up picks because the Flames haven't had a lot of picks lately, and they are very good drafters. I think they just need to stock up a little bit more, and they have like a decent amount of depth forwards on their farm team. Like They could call up Lazar, who's playing just actually really well in the AHL, and he has NHL experience, and they have a couple guys around that same skill level who they could easily call up at any point so i don't think they need to make a trade because they're they're scoring a ton their depth is coming around if james needle decides he wants to contribute at any point then that's basically like making a trade for a good scorer yeah i, I was just gonna say like the kind of guy that you pick up a trade deadline to bring you through the playoffs is basically a james neal basically and we even talked about that i think on our first episode how he's probably gonna that's when he's gonna show up right yeah. and that's when he's gonna make known that he's worth the money he's being paid so. exactly i don't really see any passengers in this lineup which is why i don't think that the forwards need to make a change i was reading on the way here that they're in on matt zuccarello from the rangers mm-hmm. he's uh, a forward kind of around his 30s i believe maybe late 20s a smaller forward right winger usually a pretty good scorer i wouldn't be mad if they did that they would probably give up picks or something for that I don't think they need him. I think he's a good player and he would probably fit right in. But honestly, they don't need to do that. If they're looking at that, then that's fine with me. And I don't think they'll go any above that because people are calling for a Mark Stone or something like that. And I just think, how are you going to resign him and fit him into this top six Mm. anywhere? Especially with Matthew Kachuk needing money. I don't see them doing too much besides maybe a little depth tweaking or somebody like a middle six forward if they really want that. But I think they'll stand mostly pat as far as trade deadlines go. How about the Oilers do. How about the Oilers indeed? Well, as we mentioned, their record for the past eight now is uh, two, four, and two. So that is just utter crap. We're not even going to talk about that. So I thought in the uh, interest of this regime change, if you will, so I thought in the interest (laughs) of uh, the whole change with Pierre Torelli, which I guess we just kind of glossed over, Pierre Torelli got fired in case you haven't heard. Big news. Uh, Yeah, so obviously that's uh, a big change, but I figured... uh, it would be interesting to kind of look back a bit further on a bit more of a macro scale to kind of see where the Oilers have been over the past several seasons. I looked back at the last 10 seasons and for a couple different reasons. One, it's a nice round decade, but also... If you go 10 seasons back, that was the first year uh, in which McTavish was no longer coaching. So I feel like that's a, a good start as to when, like, it wasn't the first year that we were out of the playoffs, but there was definitely issues with Maxi's last couple seasons. But that was definitely when the wave of, or the revolving door of coaches definitely started at that point. So in the past 10 years, there have been seven coaches in 10 seasons. So obviously right there, that's a problem that that's needs to be much. addressed. That being said, McClellan 
McClellan. Maybe not the issue here, but that had to be done in order to uh, get things moving. Torelli, definitely a problem. GM turnover hasn't been as bad, but still we haven't found a solution for quite some time. But what I found interesting about the last 10 years is the record actually doesn't look that bad this year. Currently, they've earned very close to 500, so half the possible points they could have earned this season. They're at like 0.49 or something like that. Other than the 2016-17 season, which was the only time the Oilers made the playoffs in the past 10 years, all other seasons have been much lower than that 0.49. Much, much lower. So initially, yeah, I'm just setting the bar pretty low because we're looking at the Oilers' past 10 seasons. If you compare, like Calgary, seven of their 10 past seasons have been over 500. So that's what a normal team does. (laughs) So yeah. Just a mediocre team. Yeah, so... I'm acknowledging that, yes, I'm setting the bar low by comparing to the Oilers' past 10 years. But still, that's pretty interesting that this is one of their best seasons out of that so far. The other metric that I found interesting based on those past 10 seasons was the points out of the playoffs. So again, 2016-17, they were in the playoffs. Other than that, their best year was 2012-13, where they were 10 points out. And then McClellan had a couple good seasons where they were good. (laughs) (laughs) Better. Better seasons where they were about 17 points out. Other than that, drops like 20 or more 30 points out you know we got a lot of number one draft picks we all know that's those stories right current season there are three points out of a potential playoff spot now i'm not exactly on the bob nicholson train of well this is a playoff team and we're totally going to make the playoffs that'd be great sure but i'm not necessarily seeing it all i'm saying is you know they're in the fight uh, and that's that's pretty impressive compared to what they've been in the past. And again, I'm definitely not saying, wow, Torelli got fired for nothing. They're such a good team. No, I think he had to go. There's a lot of things we could say about that. But it's just an interesting way of saying it's not all bad. <laughs> sob, sob. <laughs> what I find interesting about all of this is that you did that research, which probably didn't take you that long. And yet they have the nerve to get up on the podium and say, Yeah, there must be something in the water here. If one of your best seasons lately was being 12 points or 10 points out of the playoffs, that's a huge rift. Just saying 10 points doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're six points out of the playoffs as of right now, that seems pretty insurmountable to most teams. Like Mm -hmm. you're basically being written off at that point. So the fact that that one of their best seasons was 10 points out of the playoffs and everything else was below that and that their top management thinks that... Yeah, it's just it's just something that's out of our control. We don't really know what it is. It, it kind of says to me that they actually don't understand what's going on. Yeah, well, they definitely don't, right? And and that's part of, like, when he said that, that there's something in the water, it's both an acknowledgement of there's something unknown that we can't really control, so we don't know what's going on. It's also partly, well, there's, there's just a poisonous culture or something right but then if he's the top of the food chain you know what who's he trying to blame there interesting thing to hear from the top that's for sure and uh it'll be interesting how they take this gm search because i hope they're not going to like they've put keith gretzky in as the interim because you know maybe a gretzky will save us again But hopefully that really is only an interim thing and they do a proper search. I'm glad they didn't just kind of pick up one of the spare guys that's just 
unoccupied right now. But I do hope they do a real search come the offseason and don't just kind of, well, okay, Keith did well enough. Let's just keep him. Not that I really buy into the whole old boys club that there's a really big issue there and that might be a controversial view as well but i'm used to those by now i do think we need some uh, outside voices in that organization for sure yeah what i would say is that they probably need a gm who will not answer to anyone above them because even though that may not be as big of an issue or controversy as some people make it seem i think they need a gm that will get a plan in place and stick to it no matter what he's told like someone who's comfortable with the plan that he's doing because it always seemed like shirelli was kind of throwing darts at a wall the Lucich signing doesn't really make sense even at the time and the koskinen signing doesn't make a ton of sense even at the time so it seems like he's just throwing darts and hoping i think they need someone that will sit down make a plan and absolutely stick to it no matter yeah. what happens yeah absolutely and that's uh that would be a very tough thing to do in edmonton because yep. you would get cold feet pretty quick when things start to go poorly so i i can imagine why that would be a difficult person to find but hopefully they uh they really look hard for that person i hear he's on a ranch just uh, a little ways down the highway in viking <laughs> alberta that guy would probably not take guff from anyone that would be interesting uh and i not not sure if he'd take that job I, or not but i speak of course of daryl sutter the uh notoriously joyful <laughs> elder statesman of the nhl but yeah i think someone like him would be perfect for the job i think he's probably pretty content in retirement but i think you need a i think you need a grouchy old guy that somehow has an eye towards rebuilding yeah if they can find one it sounds kind of like finding a unicorn but i think that's what they should be looking well you for. could get like a, a burke but then he would probably trade mcdavid for yeah. someone more truculent so <laughs> probably <laughs> i think at this point a burke is just an older shirelli <laughs> yes fair enough and now it's time for the news there was a football game yesterday and that was the news all right, now we're going to move on to our sellies and scorn, where we talk about a couple things that we love from the past month or so, and, uh, you know, something that we we hated. Darren, you want to get us started? Absolutely. Boy, do I want to start with my scorn. All right. Because my scorn rhymes with the word scorn, and that is a horn. <laughs> Namely, the Oilers goal horn. Okay, have you heard it? I assume you have at least once. Once or twice, not very often. I believe you have had season tickets in the past, so... Yeah, still do, actually. Boy, is that a great investment at this point. (laughs) I believe that's called the sunk cost fallacy. (laughs) Anyways, I'm just going to give you all a chance to listen to this thing. Okay, here we go. It literally makes me shudder. My eyes are watering right now thinking of it. I'm not even kidding. Stu, look at me. I'm crying. He is. It's true. It sounds like the Banshees of Hell have been released into Roger's place. And here's the thing. This is what they had at, at what, Skyreach Center? Rexall Place. That's what it's called. Both. Both are correct. They had this horn at Rexall Place. They just had a chance to replace it. And they brought it over and stuck it in the new building. It sounds like something got lodged in a truck horn. And it just went super high pitched. And if you were driving and you heard that, you'd run off the road. I'm still crying. There's something in my eye. This is... this is. Ha- I'm just staring Stu down right now and literally bawling about this goal horn. But it disturbs me. And I. it might be because I'm a Flames fan and there's some psychological reasoning behind me hating the Oilers scoring. 
It's possible, but that sound grates on me and I can't believe that no one else brings this up. I can't believe that people sit in that building and their team scores and they hear that and have a reaction of joy. If that was the Flames goal horn, I wouldn't go to games because they'd get five goals a game and I'd be like laying on the ground going, why would they play this and hit this button when they score? So that's my scorn. Oilers, get a new goal horn. It makes me really, it like makes it so easy to hate you, honestly. If it helps, that's definitely at the top of their priority list of things to change is the goal horn. Yeah, that's so. the problem. It's probably never going to change because it's tradition or something to have this squeal go off whenever you score. My word. Well, you know, when trucks in Edmonton are about to hit you, you do want to get off the road, so maybe that's why that horn exists? I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me, <laughs> but okay. For my celly, have you all seen Sam Bennett's mustache? It's recalling shades of Lanny's. We're not there yet, because Lanny had a huge head start, and his is still going strong. He can't take that thing off now. But Sam Bennett's is is also getting to legendary status. I saw some videos with the team, some behind the scenes videos, where he was basically asking if he should keep it or not. And I believe he put up a Twitter poll and it was overwhelmingly, yes, he has to keep it. So he has, true to his word. It kind of looks funny on him because he's like a kind of lanky, you know, doesn't really look like, he's not very old, what is he, 21? But that is an amazing mustache. I think it recalls Lanny more than people realize because of his build. He's not like some jacked enforcer with this goon mustache like George Peros was. He's this like skinny tough guy. And that's exactly what Lanny was too. He's a skinny tough guy that can score. I personally love it. I hope he keeps it for a long time. It looks slightly ridiculous. And I can imagine he gets chirped all the time by the other team for having that thing. But it is absolutely glorious. And I think it just keeps adding to the personality of this team, which... Honestly, personality is something that all hockey teams need because they can be pretty dry characters. So my celly is Sam Bennett's mustache. I hope it lives on forever. Yeah, I don't think that thing will ever die. I think even if he wanted to, no one will let him shave it. And he would be yeah forever hated if he ever got rid of it. The better the Flames do this year, the longer that stash will stay. And if they win the Stanley Cup, it has <laughs> to stay forever. So that's kind of how that will go. Yeah, that poor guy is never getting married. I'm going to start with my scorn. My scorn this week is actually for, it's not hockey, but it's somewhat related to sports still. It's actually about the, uh, Super Bowl halftime show. Oh For many of you who may have known, there was a, a game last night that people watched, and a lot of people watch it. This is not a scorn on the performers. This is actually a scorn about the people complaining about the halftime show. And that's because, number one, did you watch the game? <laughs> If any, if you're going to complain about anything from last night's game, it's the football. It was horrible. <laughs> the, the game ended, what was it, 13-3 final score? Yes. That is not <laughs> acceptable. No. So you can't complain about the halftime show if the Super Bowl ends 13-3. Nobody should have got the trophy. The other reason that, that you can't complain about it is because, like, it wasn't even bad. Like... I don't have a huge vested interest in any of the artists or bands that performed. I don't really care all that much. You know, they didn't have too many gimmicks. There was one guy came in on a meteor or something, something about SpongeBob. Yeah. Cool, whatever. Someone drove a Cadillac in wearing a giant fur coat. I believe that was Big Boy. Oh, yeah. Big Boy is awesome. But anyways, mm -hmm. <laughs> aside from that... 
it was just like a band that's did pretty well at playing their instruments and singing their songs and frankly that is way better than left shark i know i said it oh, i'm boy. sorry i'm wow. sorry i'm so sorry Welcome but anyway back to 2015 everybody <laughs> Anyway, that's my score. And people who complain about the halftime show at the Super Bowl when it was really nothing worth complaining about, especially compared to the game. I think the only thing you could complain about was uh, Adam Levine's logic on having a tattoo across his stomach that says California. It, I don't understand that, but he's an amazing singer, so good for him. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, exactly. He can write anything he wants on his body. Anyway, that's my score. My celly this episode is actually for Epcor because Epcor provides fine water to all Edmontonians <laughs> all around. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> More specifically, though, I love the fact that they actually responded to Bob Nicholson with a tweet uh, shortly after he made that comment about there's something in the water here. And Epcor said, they tweeted, the water in YEG is just fine, Bob. We get the water right every day for over 1 million people. Let's go Oilers. Props to Epcor for not only supplying all of Edmonton with fantastic water, but also for that amazing tweet and their sense of humor. That was pretty fantastic. That is fantastic. My only wish is that they would have stepped it up and said, we've provided water for Edmonton for this many years. Where's our hockey team, Oilers? Or something like that. That would have been fantastic. But good on them for hearing that comment and coming right back. I love it when companies do that. Well, now's the time of the show where we kind of predict how well our teams or how poorly our teams are going to do over the next little while. So I think we'll kind of take it to the end of February, which means there's 12 games left for the Oilers and 11 for the Flames. You betcha. So how do you think uh, our teams are going to do this month? Well, I have the Flames pegged for 8-3 and three over their 11-game span. Uh, they're playing really well. I keep. I feel like every time we do an episode, I say, well, it looks like a pretty weak schedule. So I don't know what a strong schedule is going to look like when I ever see it. But considering the Flames are near the top of the league, I guess everything seems like kind of a weak schedule right now. But there is a couple games against the Coyotes. They get to probably beat up on the Senators, etc., etc. I believe if they do stumble, it'll be against San Jose in their next game on Thursday. San Jose is a tough team. They'll play Pittsburgh, who usually starts picking it up around this time. Yep. And I saw Vancouver on the schedule, and that always concerns me. Because right now, surprisingly, Vancouver's in the playoffs. And they're just a scrappy solid team that doesn't have a ton of talent but they're making do with what they got and if you let down against them because you think they're an inferior team they might beat you so i have the flames at eight and three the three being any of those teams that i mentioned that might come back and bite them yeah for the flames i was in a very similar vein i said they would get seven out of their 11 so not much different uh, I agree they're still doing really well. Uh, I just think that, again, with some injuries and taking it easy towards the end, there's no need to push too hard for all their remaining games based on where they're placed. Not that they're just going to tank or anything like that, but, you know, they'll they'll probably just kind of let a few go unintentionally, of course. Yeah, so I think they're going to do about 
seven of them. So again, fairly similar to what you said. As for the Oilers, uh, they've got 12 games left in the month of February. I do not think they will get 500 out of it uh, like we did last time. I've said that they're going to win five out of the 12 and that might be optimistic. You know, maybe this GM change is going to light a spark for them. Uh, they've got a point in every game so far, but that's those are still losses in our world. So yeah, I really don't see them getting much out of this month. It'll be interesting to see if they try to make any moves leading up to trade deadline, but I really hope we don't just kind of sell the farm in some expectation of making the playoffs when it's really not that big a deal if we don't i have the oilers pegged for four and eight i also don't see them pulling off a lot of wins i think half of them probably don't know who their gm is now and half of them probably go which gretzky is our gm (laughs) so i don't think that will really move the needle on them their goaltending's looking shaky which they really need in order to play well of course their top line McDavid, Dreisaitl, and whoever happens to be with them is always going to be good, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to be enough to win you over 500 in the NHL if you don't have good goaltending. So I think they'll only pull out four, and we'll kind of see this as the wheels starting to fall off for this season. Starting to fall off. Interesting. In terms of playoff hopes, anyways. Yeah, fair enough. That's an interesting um, set of predictions from us, because I think that's the first time where you had the Flames winning more than I did, and I had the Oilers winning more than you did. So maybe our bias is finally starting to show a little bit, but we're both very close in what we said. Uh, I just have the Oilers winning one more, and you have the Flames winning one more. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if any of us are close to right on that. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you started talking about the Flames, I kind of thought, you know, earlier in the show, I did say that they might take it more easy and be putting Smith in more. So while I said eight and three and I'll stand by it, I can definitely see them, as you said, putting it on cruise control a little bit. Maybe I should have been a little less optimistic, but I missed my chance. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the Battle of Alberta podcast this week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that our Twitter is at podcast boa i would just like to inform you that an ex nhler johnny boychuk actually followed us on twitter and it has nothing to do with the fact that he follows absolutely everybody on twitter so hit us up on twitter if you want to send us a question send us a comment or just tell us how great we are moms that would be really nice i've been darren plett that was Stuart jones our theme song is lose your head by apache tomcat we'll see you next time hail zebulon hail zebulon